aboard the struggle bus. You've got problems just like us. Climb aboard the struggle bus. Let Kate and Sally help you. Welcome to the struggle bus. I'm Kate. I'm Sally. Oh, and we're here to fix your lives. That said, we're two people whose only qualifications to give you advice are that we have lots of feelings and lots of opinions. Neither of which are a substitute for professional guidance. We did that! That was so weird. Oh my... I feel like I've just wrote something with my left hand. That was amazing. We just... For new listeners, hello. Hi. We just switched up the opening. We, I, I also... I don't say neither. I say neither. But I just said it the way you said it. That's say right. It. Oh my God. This is so weird. I feel so disoriented this right now. This is fun. We're trying I, new things Today. Are you guys as exhilarated as we are? Did we just blow your mind? We don't get out much. No, we don't. Um, <laughs> so first of all, you can tweet at us at StrugglebusPod. Use the hashtag StrugglePodBuds420 to find a struggle buddy. Email us your questions at StrugglebusPodcast at gmail.com. We're on the Instagrams, and mm-hmm. we did some nice, fun selfies. We got to do that. Let's do that again. Um, yeah, Instagram.com slash TheStrugglebusPod. Oh, we also have a website I should probably mention. <laughs> That's not going to work. Struggle com. What? And uh, you can always tweet at Sally T or me at SPK Heller. And if you want to get in the private, secret, special Facebook group, Struggle Buddies, we need your regular email, not your Facebook email. So email us at strugglebuspodcast at gmail.com and say, I want to be in the Struggle Buddy group. And then we'll let you in. That's it. We're not exclusive. Sally's taking selfies. Trying to find my um, best side. Yeah, we just want to make sure that the group is secret so that we know people who listen to the show get in. And it, basically just not my sister. What? I keep <laughs> saying that, but I'm, I'm sort of serious. It's funny because it's true. It's funny because it's true. So we still have this good news. Oh, Oh, I have other good news, but it's oh, about okay. the live show, which we don't, we have to talk, but okay. we have a live show coming up soon. Announcement, we're going to do a and, live show. And one of them confirmed, one of the guests oh, confirmed. Oh my God. Yeah, that's but exciting. we'll announce that next week. I've always wanted to do a live show with The Rock, and so that's why I'm really excited that he's available. How did you know, I Sally? Mean, so everyone stay tuned for that. Rock the struggle. Um. So yes, Mara Wilson, it looks like she is going to be our guest next week. She's very excited. Awesome. And she's wonderful and so smart and gives out incredible advice. She's the coolest. So She's, write in and uh, uh, you can say, this is a Mara-specific question I'm asking. Yeah. And we'll make sure we save it for her. We'll try to get to it, yeah. definitely. And we have a recommendation. Yes, we Okay, do. so I don't know these people very well. I know one of them, and uh, I think her name is Celia. Mm-hmm. She is a friend, a, room, a former roommate of somebody who had come to tell the bartender live years ago. Okay. And a couple months ago emailed me and said, I really want to start this podcast. Here's our idea. My friend and I just need help with a couple things. And I was like, oh, sure. And I emailed like very basic technical iTunes stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's finally out and they emailed us and it's Tony and Celia. Mm -hmm. It is Tony. Yes. And it's called the podcast of color. And it is awesome. It's awesome. They just shoot the shit and talk about politics and their days and their lives. And I'm already blowing through them on three episodes in. And um, yeah. it's really good. It's really good. Um, they have really awesome quest- uh, conversations about race yeah. and identity. Um, and, and also they, self-care. They totally self-care. get into it. Yeah, um, And they talk about a lot of sort of um, – I just listened to an awesome episode where they talked about – um, that Harriet Tubman. I just listened to that being one too. On the Twenty dollar bill. It was a really interesting conversation. They really did a deep dive and had a lot of 
things to say. And it was I would, a, a nuanced and yeah, thoughtful. very, very nuanced. And um, so they're at thepodcastofcolor.com and you can also find them on iTunes. Yeah. But you should definitely listen. Check it out. It's good stuff. I mean, after you've listened to all of ours. Right. Twice. You know, twice, at least. Just you know, make <laughs> sure you know from when we do the test. Pop quiz. And we're back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Amazing. So, uh, hey, what's going on with you, Sally? Should we talk about that or should I dive into my week or what do you let's um what? actually you know what it kind of connects to yeah do it so I'll do mine first get into and then, it okay all right yeah. that's what I want so Molly Neffel got married this weekend <gasps> congratulations Molly it was amazing she and Gideon were just they had the best time but uh I think I did mention this the last show she was on we went to the same college not at the same time mm-hmm. but I had founded an improv group at the school and uh the way I know them is because John, who uh, her brother, who went to the school years after I graduated, joined the group. Then Molly joined the group, and it's a huge family. It's called Fresh Concepts. We named it after a salad bar. So Stop great! Stop it! It's, it's great. the best name of any improv group. It kind of is. And um, they're now in their twenty-first year. Whoa. That's how old I am. I was eighteen when I started it with my friends, and it's a really great community. So a lot of the comedians who come to New York. They know all the fresh concepts, and we have an alumni page, and we help each other out. So at the wedding, we're no joke, about 30-some-odd members of Fresh Concepts from all over the world. That's so awesome. It was so great. But then they did this wedding dance to We Belong because, oh of course. Yeah. And it was this choreographed thing. It was amazing. They had props and blankets and, and whatever. Well, that was the only prop was a blanket. That's not <laughs> true. They had something else. But uh, it occurred to me halfway through the song they were all members of Fresh Concepts their year. That was their thing, their performance for the wedding. Yeah. And I was like so moved and so proud. Like I'm not responsible for their wedding. I'm not saying <laughs> I'm like a hero, but I kind of you am. You kind of are. In a weird way, I'm an epicenter. Yeah. So, the wedding was really all about you, let's be clear. I mean, it was my day. It was a celebration of you. It was. Um. Yeah, the wedding, the pictures I saw on Facebook and the thing that you sent me, like – I've never had FOMO about a wedding because it's a mm-hmm. wedding, but oh my God, that looked amazing. It was so beautiful. And Molly had the coolest outfit on oh, and gosh, it, it, it just so looked good. really awesome and fun. Yeah. I think I can post the video of the dance on strugglebuspodcast.com. Cool. Yeah. Um, I can't believe there's a restaurant called Fresh Concepts. It wasn't a restaurant. It was just a salad bar. Ju- that's even more aggressive. Here's the best part. So we didn't know what to name our, our group and they had a neon sign above the salad bar at McAllister College at Kagan Commons, where they serve the food, and it was called Fresh Concepts, and it was so ridiculous, and it was the only thing that stayed on in the middle of the night. <laughs> so you'd be walking home, drunk or stoned or whatever from a party, and be like, there's the salad bar, and people just made a big joke out of it. So when we named our group Fresh Concepts, it was the funniest. It's also great because if you think it's a dumb name, then you don't get it. And if you understand why it's genius, then you realize it's the best improv group name ever. And here's why. Because the next year, after we finally took off and started doing well, uh, another food service company bought out the other contract and they got rid of the salad bar. But we bought the sign. (laughs) So we have the neon sign. Oh, my God. That's incredible. So does the group still have the sign? Yes. Oh, that is the coolest. Somewhere. That's amazing. Have you guys ever done like reunion performances? Every reunion we do performances. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's so cool. I know. I'm really into fresh concepts. I am so excited. So, yeah, it was really beautiful. Sort of like, I don't know. It just means a lot to me that 
I had this little side family and that's, yeah, it was beautiful. And I was like crying the entire time. Oh, that's awesome. <sighs> Sally, you want to talk about some stuff? I do. How was your week? Well, my week was okay. Um, I feel like we just, I just talked about my week because we saw each other a few days ago because mm. we have only recently recorded. But um, <laughs> so I, I don't really have anything new in my life to say, but I, I do want to talk about this um, article that came out um in the New York Times on Sunday. It's an op-ed and it's called Stop Saying I Feel Like. And it's this whole thing about why you should stop starting sentences with I feel like. And the writer puts together this whole like convoluted argument where she like interviews people to like underwrite her claim of why it's objectively worse to start senses like that because it it like degrades culture and language and also because um we're a society where we feel too much we don't think enough which i just think Mm. is this like really like blanket garbage Mm -hmm. statement that is also used to make the people who use those phrases more feel bad about the way they talk which is women she also goes into this whole thing about how like trigger warnings yeah she's Uh, obviously she has an opinion about how trigger warnings are like making us all soft and something else like there's something I can't remember she has some other really really garbage opinion that's just such a um you when you see that opinion you know the person is like secretly trying to explain their like misogynist agenda um and I just wanted to talk the writer is female yeah Mm -hmm. and is that right yeah Molly Worthen Mm -hmm. um I and I just wanted to talk about it because I don't even like my girlfriend has this theory that the New York Times is just like trolling us with these really controversial, like garbagey op-eds. And I'm always like, I don't think so. I don't think they're knowing. I think that they actually think they have exciting opinions that they want to share and they think they're like cutting edge. And now I'm really fucking wondering. This feels so trolly. Yeah, there's so many articles about millennials. What's up with them? And it's like, they're amazing. Shut the fuck up. Uh, yeah, New York Times, what are you doing? It's the worst. I think they are trolling us. The whole thing about... um. I'm trying to find the other thing in addition to trigger warnings that's really problematic, but I can't find it right now. Also, but the I feel like thing, it's a very uh, therapy uh, thing to say. They teach you that in therapy instead of saying the world is awful. True. You can be like, it's sort of empowering to be like, I feel like the world is awful. Totally. And it's a great way to, when you're having a discussion, not get into an argument because it's like acknowledging that this is something that you think and you know. And even, okay, listen, if you're debating global warming, you don't say I feel like, but people don't do that anyway, you know? Yeah. I mean, part of what she was trying to say, I think, is that, oh, she also talked about like self-care. She made both self-care and trigger warning sound like this, the product of a really like overly therapized, self-indulgent culture. And she actually, one of her points was that she feels like people say, I feel like, the way I just did, in intellectual arguments, which does it matter? Are we really, I mean, that's my whole point. Is, is that like, the problem? Right. I mean, like that, that's sort of the whole thing is like the whole the the idea that any the way anyone talks needs to be policed or changed is really suspect um when as you brought up before we started recording what we could call into question is what the dominant culture is and why we assume that everyone should conform to that i have a hard time i I studied communications in college and there's a lot of studies that i remember very specifically and it's that in meetings men tend to dominate the meeting and as such when someone speaks more you assume they know more it's a very weird thing that our minds do so they're trying to teach women to you know lean in and be more Mm -hmm. like that as opposed to listening more, which is a very quote-unquote feminine attribute. Mm -hmm. And it's like, why do we have to stop doing the things that the women were doing when it's pretty clear that women can also communicate very well? So why not make it a blanket, hey, a couple things need to change. 
not everyone speaks the same way. We need to have a, a better understanding of how we speak to each other in general mm-hmm. versus you should be more like this. Right. Anyway, that's how I feel. Yeah. And <laughs> I mean, just like the idea that like a system wherein the person who's more aggressive and talks more gets more and is assumed to be like more deserving of a promotion or a pay or job like that is problematic. So the idea that we should like all strive to like talk in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, this is a perfect time to bring up another thing I read that was really good Fantastic. called The Cost of Being a Woman in Charge. Uh, and it was published on BuzzFeed, um, I think also on the same day, a couple days ago. And it's really, really good. It's really worth reading. It's about Kelly Ripa and Melissa Harris Perry. I read that. Isn't I it did. so good? I read that, yeah. And it, it really goes into this whole thing of how, you know, women are told to lean in and that's how you be successful. And then how women are punished for leaning in, particularly women of color. And uh, it's really, really worth a read. And it really, it, it just really like problematizes the whole idea of women, lean in, women say, don't say I feel like, don't say, you know, don't say sorry so much, don't say this, don't say that. And it's it's so much deeper than just that thing. Yeah, I was on the, I don't think I said this on the on the show. I think I said it to someone else, but I was waiting for an elevator the other day and it opened and I tried to get in. The guy goes like, it's going down. And I was like, okay. So I stepped back and the elevator door closed and closed and opened up again. It wasn't going down. And he went, oh. And then I, I was like, I'm just going to let you get in that elevator and I'm not God. taking it. And as the doors were closing, uh, I turned to the woman next to me because she was like, I don't want to get in the elevator with that guy. And I was like, is he okay? It must be so hard to be a man because you know yeah. that when a man does that, ah, he's having a bad day. Am I right? When a woman were to do that, if a woman were to do that, she's being hysterical. She's too sensitive. It's like he literally had a temper tantrum Yeah, because no, the doors amazing. opened and closed, whereas we have to like not cry, not get angry, not show any emotion, yeah. lean in, not too much, don't say this, right. don't say that. And, and their, you. In their, in their defense, so little ever, ever goes wrong for them. That's the thing. That when something does, it must feel like the sky is falling. I was telling my mother this yesterday, and she, she said, well, I mean, the thing is to him, that quite probably <laughs> is the worst thing that's happened. It's literally the worst thing that's ever happened in his life. Yeah. Yeah. So let's actually feel bad for that He's guy. He's journaling about that. Mm. Um, his feelings. Do you want to talk about a thing we did, or do you want to talk about this email we got. Which we should go into the email first and then do a thing we did because we're on this topic. You're right. The email's kind of related. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so... So, listen, guys. <laughs> we Here's the thing. <laughs> we got an email from a listener who told us we were doing a great job with the podcast. Thank which, you. Which we really appreciate. Um, and they said, just FYI, I notice you say like a lot, which can be a bit distracting. Amazing job otherwise. Mm. Do you want to react? Yeah. Um... Okay. I I feel like this can be a teachable moment because this is something that happens a lot, especially when you're on TV or there's your voice or something. Do you know what else we say too much on this show? Uh, Personally, I I edit this show, right? So I listen back a couple times. Plus, I then go on the train and listen to it and cry. Um, (laughs) Not out of sadness, but out of like, oh, I just really want to hear the song or whatever. Um, I say, do you know what I mean? All the fucking time. I say all these things. I speak too fast. I sometimes jumble my words because I'm so excited. These are things I've been working on for years. You guys, I had the thickest New York accent growing up. I am constantly, as a performer and a voiceover artist, watching what I'm saying. It is constant. Every time I listen back to every single episode, so much work goes into this show. So many things get cut out. So many letters have to be reread because we forget how to read. (laughs) There's a lot of energy and expense going into it. 
the idea of people writing in with suggestions for things like, have you thought about using SoundCloud? I feel are fine. And yet anything unsolicited in general, maybe don't do it. That's my first thought, only because it comes to a very weird personal level. At what point are you allowed to then say the next thing? You know what? Your voice is too deep for me. It's distracting. I don't like how slow you speak. It's distracting. I just don't like your face when you posted that photo of you on Instagram. It's distracting. And I mean, it's kind of like as if you went to a live show of ours and we're like, God, it was great. But you had this big zit on your face and I was just staring at it. Now, I don't think this person meant it as to bother us, but it did bother me. I'm going to speak on my behalf real quick, only because it happens so often that people say that. And yet my response, and I do actually not listen to podcasts that I used to like because of things like this that distracted me. Don't listen. Please don't listen. And that's fine. I don't care if you don't like our show for any reason, don't listen. But I don't, I just hope you understand how much work goes into this and how much we, and personally, I do listen back and go, I said this too much. I have to stop doing that. We're aware is what I'm saying. But at the same time, when we're only worrying about a certain word that some people specifically noticed, even though like is not said nearly as much as um, and you know what I mean, by the way, because I counted in some instances once, because I was like very aware of it and, and like on the off defense at this point before this letter came mm-hmm. in. I've been thinking about this for a long time. Um if we were to focus on that, you wouldn't have a show because it's so distracting to us to feel like, oh, no, this one person said this one thing. Sally, have I spoken too much? What do you think? <laughs> no, it's amazing. Um, I mean, my feeling about it is that people have been telling me to stop saying like so much since I was like 13. It's not going to happen. So if you don't want to hear me say like so much, don't listen to me speak. <laughs> I Honestly, that's all I can say. Um, I mean... <clears throat> Excuse me. One one thing you said, Catherine, is that, you know, you listen back and you do listen way more than I do because you edit it. And I listen back, too. And I, I know I'm speaking for both of us when I say that we listen back really critically and we listen back critically for um, like technical things to make sure the sound is good. But we also are our own biggest critics about whether or not we explain something clearly if when we tried to make a joke, if it was funny, if we accidentally said something offensive, we or not offensive, problematic. We don't, we're not like sitting here like saying offensive things and then cutting no, but, it out. But yeah, we, we talk about very sensitive topics and we want to make sure that we're doing justice to everyone's identities and everyone's humanity and everyone's feelings because that is the world that we believe in and we want to participate in and want to create. But it's really, um, we do put a lot of work in. And I'm not, you know, it it is hard work and we love to do it. And so we're psyched to do it. But it's definitely, you know, rough to get an email like that because we've already criticized ourselves so much. And that is not to say like we know everything and you might and there's no way you have something to share that we can't use because oftentimes like we talk about a topic and and I'm like, oh, wait, actually, I don't know exactly what that is. Can you guys write in and let us know? And I think that is I mean, that's totally great. We often invite you guys to write in. Um, But, you know, if we don't, I would say if it's something about one like the way that we just like are as human beings, I would say decide if you can get through it and listen to us. And if you can't, just stop listening. There are podcasts that I don't – I sadly have decided to stop listening to because someone has like a – 
like talks I, I'm very sensitive to volume. I'm like a real baby about it. And I there was a podcast I tried to listen to and one of the hosts spoke really loudly. That was just their thing. And I was like, I'm gonna stop listening. Mm-hmm. Um and that's fine. That's a great podcast. It's not for me. The other thing is like, you know, Catherine and I are two women and we are more in our society used to policing the speech of women. And women get told that the way they speak is not good enough or distracting or whatever, that is not – that's on society. That is not on us. So we love that you guys listen and we love – I personally love getting feedback on things that I don't, may not understand completely or have misspoken about. People have written in. <laughs> now I'm thinking of the two times that I've like, you know, lashed out at the people who have written in because I didn't agree with their feedback. But there, there are times people have written in and we've addressed it on air. And it's not that we don't want any – well, I would say be very careful like with yeah. feedback, I guess. Yeah, no, I mean – it is understandable if it's a clarification of you. I, you know, I'm this person, and I think to me, you used the wrong word, and this is why. We'll, we'll consider it absolutely yeah. a million percent because we're not right all the time or ever or whatever. We're just really giving our feelings and opinions. And if you like the show, great. And if for whatever reason you don't, that's okay. Mm-hmm. I don't want to tell people not to write in if we have a set of word that is yeah, 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 incorrect. Yeah, yeah. I do want definitely. to know. We, I definitely don't want to not know if something is like problematic or whatever. I mean, please, that is like how like people grow and learn and Mm -hmm. evolve. So please like hold us accountable to that stuff. But I just think like the thing about being told that you don't like the way we talk when, you know, we are also, Catherine and I are also talking a lot about our personal lives and how we like cope with like mental health struggles. And we're also giving our opinions on topics that are sort of controversial. And like, these are things that like I... I think about the fact that we do that. Like I, it require I make an effort to do that. I don't, I'm not just someone who's like, let me get up there on a microphone and share all my deepest, strongest opinions. And you know, that it's, it's a thing that we make an effort to do. Mm-hmm. I don't know how else to put it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, you know, I guess that, I hope that made sense. And if not, let us know. I, no, I'm in, not. In, invent a, um, some sort of a, thing that filters out all of the distracting words you don't like from podcasts and then just use it and you can then you can keep listening to us and it'll be like a real win-win that's a good idea and may i recommend there's an episode of uh, i believe it's this american life and it's about vocal fry and the women who work at npr and all the hate mail they get about their voice versus the mail the men get it's really interesting because ira glass has vocal fry and like a bunch of other things that people and women were like complaining about on the show yeah so listen to that it's very interesting yeah and just like think about basically I I I hesitated to talk about this New York Times op-ed because it's yet another think piece telling women to talk differently but I thought it was important enough to highlight and I and like this email made me feel again like reinforced in that idea like Mm -hmm. just you know don't don't police the way people speak, please. Yeah. I will also say real quick that I do podcast production, and whenever I send an audio file of a, an episode to someone, the number one thing that happens is I walk in the room and I go, so what'd you think? You know, make any changes? And they go, oh, and I go, oh, no, they hated it. And they're like, I just hate my voice. And I'm like, but the content is amazing. Mm-hmm. And people are very sensitive about that, so it's not very helpful mm-hmm. to – it is something that is constantly being – 
addressed in our society and it gets very hard because it makes you not want to speak. Mm-hmm. I mean, I also have a list of like a hundred things I want to change about the way I speak on the podcast. Like there's definitely in no way are we like hitting, you know, record be like, great, that's done. Put it up. Who cares mm-hmm. next? Like we're like, we think a lot about the way we sound. We take time. Yeah. So, all right. So I hope that helped. Okay. Let's talk about a thing we did for self Oh my God. Yeah. I forgot we haven't done that yet. I know. Well, it's because it was a good segue. True. It was. Uh, I had a breakdown the mm-hmm. other day. Because Congratulations. Thank you. It was good because <laughs> my back had been hurting a lot. I was doing a lot of editing, but then I was letting the tension in my back affect me. And I also knew part of it was my emotions being bottled up because mm-hmm. I hadn't had a good cry in a while. So I started to have a good cry the other day, but my boyfriend was sleeping because he worked late the night before and I wanted to be quiet about it. But then I was like, I don't want to be the person in the other room silently sobbing. I want to wail right now. I'm ready to do it. And it doesn't happen very often. So I actually woke him up and I was like, I'm fine. I just want you to know I need to sob. And he was like, all right, great. And I just went to town and it felt amazing. Mm. And my back has been feeling a lot better. So if you're feeling it, have a good cry. Have a good wail. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I felt like it was in a safe space to do it. It would have been ideal if no one was in the room, but it so happened that someone was in the other room and, uh, eh. It's so cathartic to have like a really fucking satisfying cry. It's almost, yeah. I mean, it was life changing, Sally. You oh my God. It sounds yeah. incredible. I want to start crying right now just to see how, if it'll help me. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I'm a big crier. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not a big like wailer, but I'm a big like I, 90% of like, external stimulus that I experience makes me cry. Well, that, you know, I weep at things out of happiness yeah. and sadness, but this was straight up like emotional That's a different thing. Yeah, no, totally. Explosion. It's like next so. level. What about you? Emotional oh, I'm looking explosion. in the – what was that? No, nothing. I just liked what you said, emotional so I was repeating. Explosion. Yeah, it's good. It's yeah. probably going to be make its way into the episode mm-hmm. title. Um, okay, I, I went out to two different places. One thing I've noticed doing this podcast is that I need to go out more because when it comes time to talk about like what we've done since we've recorded, I've done actually nothing um, except I've gone to work, come home, gone to the gym, watched a movie or two, hung out with my girlfriend. So I need to start living um, a slightly more exciting life, I think. Hmm. But um, I did go – I did do something slightly more exciting this week. I I went out to a bar. What? What? Yeah, I did. I Which did, bar? you guys. I went to a bar. Uh, it's a bar in um, kind of near Union Square. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it was great. I had a drink. I had a great conversation. And I was reminded that sometimes it's really nice to be out. And it's so actually by yourself? Fun. Uh, no, I was with my cousin. Oh, okay. It was a really good time. Um, and then the other thing I did by myself was I went to a coffee shop. And I just got some espresso. And I hung out. And I did a little people watching. It was pretty great. And um, yeah, and I just, I don't know. I um, I sometimes, I, I really like being by myself or with one other person. And so it went, after I've been at work all day, it's my opportunity or all week, it's my opportunity to go back to being just by myself or with my girlfriend. And um, so it, it that is my self-care, spending a lot of time alone. But that can definitely, and it has morphed into like, reclusivity where I'm like feel I start feeling disconnected from like other human beings I know what you mean yeah. you know so this you know usually being like quiet and alone is my self-care but this week like actually doing something out in the world was was my a thing we did I love it I love it so I don't know guys go yeah. go out if you want gosh darn it is this what is I'm awesome. saying nice so let's get to these emails let's do it uh do you want me to read the first one does it matter um yeah go for it okay let's um we need a name Oh, right. Yes. Do you want to do um, 
Oh, you know what I was thinking we could do? Mm-hmm. Did you watch Family Ties? Were you a Family Ties fan? Um, yes. Okay, okay. I'm so excited. I'm Obviously. so glad. I wasn't sure that was going to go over because not everyone is so into it. It it stands up. You guys should watch it. It's on Netflix. But anyway, um, do you want to do like Alex P. Keaton? Yes. Okay. Oh my gosh. Oh my yes. God. Yes. For so, so many reasons. Right my my boyfriend's name full name rhymes with Alex P. Keaton, and that was my way of figuring out how to pronounce his last name and remember it because I'd been calling him something else. Oh, my God. I didn't think it was possible, but I love him even more now. I know. Oh, my God. I know. You should have seen him as Tim Riggins. Damn. All right. Okay. Uh, So this is uh, Alex P. Keaton. I've just listened to this week's podcast, and for a lot of reasons, I felt like I should email with where my life is. I'm in therapy. I have a few close friends. I have a dog who is the best, and I will be adding pictures of her to this email because she is so cute and so much the best dog. Mm. Still, I'm really struggle-bussing. This email might be a bit overly verbose and esoteric to read, which I understand, but due to how I'm struggling listening to the podcast I wanted to email while I have the nerve to. In a couple days of when I'm sending this, I'm going back home for a couple days for a few reasons, both to vote in the primary swing state I'm from but don't live in and because I need to get a couple of things for a trip I'm taking to Copenhagen and Berlin, which was a gift from getting my MA in philosophy so I can also look at school I might want to go to for PhD. It's a gift from my mother primarily, so going home to see her feels perfunctory in relation to it. For years, my mother and I have been close. I've never felt comfortable with it for a number of reasons, but I've also been close enough to her that I took her maiden name for my last name when I changed my middle and last names to kill off my father in relation to me. Lots of Oedipal shit, clearly. Let me attempt to give the short version of this. I particularly need to trigger warning sexual abuse, child molestation, incest, and other horrible stuff. Last time my mother was driving me from Philadelphia to Brooklyn, my mother asked whether I respect her after we talked about her not willing to believe my sister that my stepfather raped her, telling my sister to kill herself, trying to scramble for any reason to believe my cousin wasn't raped by her father and my bio father. See, my mother and father divorced when my sister and I were young. They both remarried and my sister and I lived with our mother. I always had a tension with my father and we never had a good relationship despite my best efforts. We were estranged a couple times, but I eventually let him back in my life. My stepfather raped my sister, though that only came out years later after my sister had been an addict in the meantime, moving from abusive boyfriend to abusive boyfriend. She also maintained an at-times creepy relationship with our stepfather, which was in all likelihood a symptom of her being abused. My sister eventually had a child and tried to clean up, but my bio father and stepmother eventually took the child from her, leading to the final time I estranged from my father and the beginning of thinking about changing my name. To that end, my cousin eventually dropped out of her family, but her sister found a diary that revealed her father, my uncle, and my bio father molested her as a child. With that, I changed my name, wanting to cut off from him. At the time, I was closer to my mother. I hadn't entirely allowed myself to believe my sister because I still lived with her and my stepfather, and I just wasn't an empathetic person enough. After she broke into our mother's home and broke into my bedroom, we became completely estranged as well. My mother's the only family I have left, but really, I have been forced to reckon with her. She still sees my sister, and once when my sister hit her up for money, my mother told her to kill herself. She doesn't believe my stepfather raped her. She doesn't believe my cousin that she was abused, but she believes me that I have hallucinations and that I have my issues. I don't respect her. She stayed with her daughter's rapist. She continues to repeatedly abuse her daughter. I'm forced to be her therapist whenever I see her, but she's my only financial support. My lease is up at the end of June. I'm currently looking for work, which has 
had its own issues and could be another email, but I'm trying my hardest to be succinct, even if this already has the complicated story of the Wikipedia for a B-list X-Man from the 90s. Still, my mother has been financially supporting me while I look for work. I'm terrified that I won't find one before I need to deal with my lease if I can't figure things out that I'll have to move home with my mother and my sister's rapist. Add to that, I use marijuana to deal with my hallucinations due to a bad history of psychiatrists, and my sister's rapist is a retired Philly cop who abhors any drugs. I know I won't be able to smoke there to deal with the stress and the way it makes my brain explode to be there, especially living there. I don't know how to talk with my mother about this without everything flooding out. I don't respect her because of how she's treated my sister and stayed with my sister's rapist. I'm afraid to be around my stepfather because he's a monster. If I were to have moved to have to move there, I honestly couldn't make it back to Philly alive. Uh, though I don't want to leave my dog because let's remember she's the best. I need to figure out a way to talk to my mother about my needs while I work to find a job at this point, any job I'm terrified too. And I don't know how to speak with her such that I can communicate my needs, my fears, all of it around what's happening in my family. And the fact that to keep myself alive, I don't feel like I could ever live with her again. I'm sorry for how long and needlessly complicated this whole thing's been. I feel like I just need to say something about it and ask for advice, any advice. Alex P. Keaton. Wow. So that was a lot. Yeah, Alex P. Keaton, that is a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I'm glad that you're in therapy. Mm-hmm. That's great. And that you have some close friends. Um, I, I guess that I think that the fact that you're being financially supported by your mother is forcing you to be... Um, Uh, like entangled with her in a way that you don't want to be. It sounds like being involved with her at all is really difficult. um, And that makes total sense to me. I'm I'm actually, from what you describe, my first instinct is to say to get yourself out of your family situation as soon as you can so that you can start to process the abuse and the trauma that sounds like it's really been like endemic in your family. Um, But... I guess like as a first step, if, I mean, it's really hard when you're financially dependent on someone because you're financially dependent on them. Um, but I wonder if one of your, one of your objectives can be like, I mean, there's a lot to deal with here and there's a lot to quote unquote, like solve, but maybe you can just give yourself like the first task of figuring out how to make it so that you're not dependent on her for money, because it seems like that's what keeps you tied to her. What do you think, Catherine? Well, I also noticed that she might be going to, they might be going to a PhD program and who's paying for that. So it's like, will this ever end? Can it ever end? Um, I have no problems with parents financially supporting their children at all, because that's just what some parents are able to do and want to do. Mm-hmm. And so far, like school or helping them buy a first home, that's totally normal. Mm-hmm. But it seems like you know that this is keeping them in your life in an right. unhealthy way and holding something over mm-hmm. you. And it's very hard to separate. So it's very complicated. I can't tell you enough, uh, especially if you're looking at going to school in Copenhagen and or Berlin, and that's sort of right. They, they yeah. said that they wanted to. Um, gosh, I, 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 you need to get out of that situation immediately. You cannot move back home, first of all, on so many levels. You can't. Yeah. I know it's easier said than done, and it is good you're in therapy. I wonder if you can get on unemployment right now. Mm. 
there is some financial support for people in situations like this. I don't have the answers at my fingertips, but I always know there are government programs, there are things to do, there is welfare that is just helpful to help you get out mm-hmm. of the situation you're in now that's difficult. There's no shame in taking government assistance. Mm-hmm. That's what it's there for. It's a safety net to help you get out and right. then build and go from there. So if there's some way you can do that, if it means taking a job in your hometown that is crappy just for a few months to save up or something, I highly recommend that. Mm -hmm. I just know that there's nothing good emotionally and otherwise. Now, you already separated yourself from your bio dad. um, So you've done that process. It is going to be very hard to separate yourself from your mom. But I wonder if there's a way in which you don't have to fully, completely separate with this person and yet draw some boundaries and make some some barriers for self-care because it sounds like you think it's an all or nothing thing like I'm your daughter or I'm not Mm -hmm. you know or I'm in your life or I'm not um you can have this person in your life as your mother and as the person who raised you and helping you out and still set some ground rules maybe if you say to your mom you know what I I still want to go to college I love that you're paying for it or anything else that you need help with but I just have a very hard time being around your husband I have a hard time being around this Who knows? Maybe she'll be like, okay, Mm -hmm. you never know. But that's something that you might want to look into first as opposed to cutting all ties. Mm -hmm. If that doesn't work, you might need to take a time out with your mother. Sally? There's a lot going on here, so I'm trying to like... Yeah, no, there's a lot going on. I mean, I definitely think... um, I think that... Yeah, I guess I I don't know that you need to like, you know, end your relationship with your mother forever and ever, but it, it definitely sounds like living with her is something you should try to avoid at all costs and also I mean I I don't it's it's you didn't really go into this in the email like to what extent your mom is like demanding of your time or wants you to be like enmeshed with her you did kind of make a joke about having some Oedipal shit so when something is like that when you sort of cannot get disentangled and they won't let you put up boundaries like those are times when it you have to really just take a break from being in touch with them I think I mean I I don't really because I think it's difficult to be in a healthy relationship with someone who won't even like respect boundaries but um but like Catherine said if you can and there's a way to be in touch with them and it feels okay and you can still work through your stuff then like I guess do that but um I think this is also like a time to you said you have close friends which is awesome and maybe this is a time to lean on your close friends um if it's a matter of like needing a place to crash or you know um maybe even borrowing money as like a stopgap that would prevent you from having to go home um but it sounds like the consequences of living at your mom's house are extremely dire for your mental health so and it also just what you described just really doesn't sound like a safe space at all emotionally and and actually not even just emotionally so um and I mean you know that I it's hard not to notice also that like they pay for your education and this trip which then made you feel like you had to see them you felt like it was perfunctory and at the same time you know, her relationship with your sister is that she's like not believing that she was raped and telling her to kill herself. That's like, that's a really like intense discrepancy. And that's like a lot to be on your shoulders. Um, and it, it also just feels like suspect, not, not in the sense that I think your mom is like twisting her mustache being like, I'm going to use money to keep him in my thrall. Cause I don't think that, you know, most of the time people act in such a, um, like intentionally malicious and manipulative way, but it does sound like she's maybe using financial support to keep you um, indebted to her, keep you like, 
you know, tangled up with her. I guess maybe, you know, but I, I think like your main, that's all stuff you can figure out in therapy, I guess. But I think the main thing is like avoid living with them, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. And and I like the point of, I don't think your mother is doing this intentionally. Unfortunately, people have ways in which they show affection and also still regain power or control. And that could be like, I'm going to cook for you. I'm going to do this for right, you. Right, and, right. Without realizing that it has a, ba- a bad effect on the other person, you know, so she may not know that. And I am not going to defend her for defending uh, your sister's rapist and your, your stepdad. But I will say, and this is very hard to hear, but you have to, you will learn this later in life. When someone is so entrenched in a relationship with someone, and unless they see it happen with their own eyes, denial is a very serious thing. I truly believe your mother deep down maybe knows, but is in such denial and maybe in her own web of um, being manipulated by this man uh, that it sucks, it's awful, but... Um, you know, it's 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 hard being in a partnership with someone who's accused of a thing. And then uh, and and yeah, I mean, even people who are like, yeah, you know, get that guy. And he clearly raped this person. I always believe women when it happens to you, you know, when 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 somebody says your person did this to my friend, you're like, oh. whole different story. Yeah. So that sucks. But I don't think your mom's a monster. It's something to think about, unfortunately, that maybe you're just going to need to separate yourself from that aspect of her. And your stepfather sounds like a monster, so just don't for your own personal well-being. I I can't imagine. So, yeah, I think what we've sort of come up with is you don't have to cut all ties you don't know. Definitely take care of you. Uh, And if there is a way in which you can do anything but live in that house, Mm -hmm. absolutely million percent, even if you need to call in a favor that you will say, I may not be able to pay you back years from now, Mm -hmm. but this is my, this is what I need in order to get Mm -hmm. to the next thing. And by the way, I've had friends who've done this, government assistance, you'd be surprised. So go on your state's website, maybe talk to somebody in a legal aid society Mm, who can help you because you're looking at an abusive situation. Yeah, definitely. There are government programs that are in place, most places, that can help you Mm. with the next steps of finding a home and a job and a thing. And just to, you know, if you do want to cut them off, like you can do that too. Like, I, you know, you don't have to, I think, I, I just feel like not deciding not to no longer talk to a family member has this like, um, weight to it in our culture where it's like, oh my God, that's a last resort. Never do that. That would be terrible. And I I really think that that line of thinking needs to be reexamined because if someone is an abusive, toxic presence, you cut them out of your life. If they're related to you, that might change how long it takes you to cut them out of your life or how long it takes you to come to the decision. But it doesn't mean you, – you don't – you can be free of people who poison you. Um I believe that. Yeah, I, I, as many of you know, I cut my dad out of my life and it was very sort of difficult at the time. And then it was like, wow, this is the best thing I ever did because mm-hmm. I would not have been as functioning as I am now if he were still in my life. It's to the point where when I do get reminders that he is around, I get triggered and I'm like, I need to escape. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just, it can be that bad and it is actually really great. That said, you can also separate yourself from a family member or a friend or whoever for a few months mm-hmm. or a few years. And then still have them in your life later and have it be a better relationship. Mm-hmm. So take care of you yeah, and take care don't of you. move in if you can. That is the – and don't feel guilty about taking money because if they want to pay for things, that's nice of them and clearly they have money. So Yeah. I mean the only thing I would say is like if not accepting money helps you stay separate from them, uh, yes, I would sorry, do I that. Sorry. I meant to rephrase that yes, if, yeah. you, if you want to. But if you think you can still separate yourself but actually like, yeah, I'll take this money yeah. if you can do that. 
Yeah. Don't feel guilty about that. I sure. Guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cool. All right, Alex B. Keaton. Good luck. Yeah. Okay, this person wants a Friday Night Light pseudonym, so they're my favorite. I'm joking. You're all my favorites. Yeah, uh, everyone's tied for favorite. But we did have to um, – we had to dig deep because we've used so many Friday Night Lights names. What did we come up with? Oh, oh, I think we came up with Mac. Mac. Okay. So this is from Mac. Mm-hmm. Hi, Kate and Sally. Let me start off by saying that I love your show, and I've enjoyed listening to you guys while I train for my upcoming marathon. We have a pronoun switch mid-email. I would love a nickname from Friday Night Lights because I'm actually from Odessa, Texas. My husband, we've been married for four years but known each other for 10, came out to me as transgender recently, four weeks ago. Looking back on our relationship and everything I know, this makes a lot of sense. He was always uncomfortable in his skin and avoided labeling his sexuality. Okay, pronoun switch. After she told me, she's a whole new, happier person and I'm over the moon excited to be married to someone who is in a good place with their mental health and staying true to their self. This changes nothing in our relationship. She's still the person I met and fell in love with, period. She has told me that while she feels like the world has been lifted off her back by telling me, she's not quite ready to tell the world. Her parents, brothers, and our son don't know yet. We have a three-year-old, and three-year-olds are quite forgiving. We've, we've always made it a goal to raise a headstrong, accepting, compassionate human, so I'm not worried about our kid. I'm worried about everyone else. I'll admit, I was a bit hurt when I first found out. I felt like, why didn't I know? This is the person that I love and trust with everything. Why didn't I know? Could I not be trusted? But don't worry, my therapist reminded me that this was not about me and assured me that I didn't know because she had not come to terms with it and accepted who she was before she came to me. She is totally right. We have been talking a lot about how she wants to come out and what she wants to do. She is going to start hormones in a few months, and I'm so excited for her. She has decided that she wants to start hormones before she tells her family. We don't have a good relationship with them as it is, and I'm afraid this will be it for them. We have decided to move into a nearby city. We, work, we both work from home currently, but we live in a very rural area. We need to drive two hours one way to see her doctor, and we think it's best that we leave the town that has a Trump 2016 banner hanging on the only bank to make it easier on our family. I'd probably need to be bailed out of jail the first time somebody made a shitty comment at the grocery store. Okay, my question. We know no one in this city. Seeing as how we both work from home and our child is not in preschool yet, how do we meet nice people or aren't who aren't secretly transphobic nightmares. I'm looking at you, roommate from college that pops up on Facebook one day ranting about North Carolina and Jesus. We are both introverted, but I feel like my partner would benefit from having a support system IRL. She told me yesterday that she didn't want to feel like the only person in the world going through this. Help us. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, first of all, Mac, it's so great that you're in therapy and realizing it's not about you and um, that you are doing this together because that that really helps uh, speaking, I don't want to speak on behalf of a friend of mine who was married to, at the time, they thought they were a dating woman, and then the husband's like, I'm a dude. And then she's like, all right, that makes a lot of sense. And they're together, and they work through it, and they're still talking about transitioning and presenting and all these things. Uh, and they're actually starting a podcast about oh, specifically awesome. transitioning, and it's going to be really helpful because it's true. There's not enough podcasts or shows about this because – Everyone has different experiences. It's fairly not new, but being accepting a little bit in society is, is getting a little bit better. But that's that's one thing I will tell you the name of at some point when it pops mm-hmm. up because I think it'll be very helpful. Cool. But what do you do right now? Either way, you never know. I, I got to tell you, I've been to small towns and thought that like they were so uh, backward and they were the most loving, kindest, open people I met. And then I'm in a big city and I'm like, everyone's going to love this. And then there's like the worst people. So you just never know. Right. So first of all, it's kind of like, yeah, you're definitely going to find out once you get there. 
I would say do some research about the towns and any um, support network groups or any, I don't know if you go to church or any sort of community organized centers where you can meet like-minded people of this specific thing that you can start to befriend. And it might help. I know, Sal, you know more about this than I do, so I'll let you uh, lead off into this. Online support groups, you're saying Tumblr has a very good... Yeah, I think Tumblr is a great... A Tumblr is a great community where we've talked about it before on the podcast, but people who are trans identified and gender nonconforming just have like, you know, amazing, just like an amazing community and communities, I should say, on Tumblr. So I think that's always an awesome way to connect with people online. Um, and, you know, I I think that a lot of times you can sort of like parlay online friendships into like real life friendships. Um, I think, you know, Twitter is a great place to meet like-minded people um, and, you know, start establishing friendships and being like, hey, can I DM you? And then be like, hey, where do you live? I live, do you know people live in my area? Can we be friends? You know, I think that, you know, online friendships can become real life friendships and real life support groups. So I definitely think Twitter is an awesome way to reach out um, and just find people who are trans identified and allies and like talking about stuff and talking about transitioning. Um, Tumblr, like you said, Catherine, um, I think you should maybe, maybe you and your partner could join the struggle buddies group. Yeah. And if you want to say where you're moving to, if somebody knows someone, it might help. If you don't want to do that, understandable, but but that's one way. Yeah. And like, I think also people know people. I just think the more people you connect with, like the more lucky you are to find people local to you. There are also, there are trans, like support groups for people who are transitioning and trans identified in a lot of places. I mean, it's like, so much stuff happens online now that it seems like almost old school that there are support groups, but there are. Mm-hmm. Um, when I lived in Connecticut, I and and I was an organizer. I drove all around the state and I went to tiny little like rural towns, and there were groups of trans people meeting to like talk about what they were going through and how their lives were and stuff like that. So that's something that you can try to seek out. Um, and then maybe you can like. I don't know. I just, I feel like a lot of towns have like one cool coffee shop, you know, (laughs) and like you can hang out there and like that, that cool coffee shop will host like an open mic or some other event that you can go to and start meeting people at. And it definitely does take time to figure out like who is really like a safe person because people are all like awesome and liberal. And then you mentioned like the one thing that they're like a total fucking monster mm. about. Um, and you're like, oh, you're actually not great. Um, but then some people are are awesome through and through or they're just like they don't have a position, but they're just like great warm people. I think um, but I, I definitely would start like in, in spaces if you can find any place near you that has a kind of any any coffee shop that has like one vegetarian or vegan item on the menu is mm. going to be like the place where you should basically set up shop and start meeting people. Yeah, there's you know? this I am not defending these people at all, but there's a definitely a big contingency of people who go to church and are God-fearing Trump supporters and not necessarily even just religious people are like this, even atheists can be like this, but who the second they meet you they're like, "Oh, but you're but you're nice." Mm. Which I do mm-hmm. not agree with politically at all, but it doesn't mean that people are going to be um, hateful towards you. They might be, absolutely. But I think you might be surprised how accepting some people can be, mm. even if they've been taught one thing. You're still, quote unquote, going to hell in the back of their head, but they will be nice to you and be like, come over for dinner and let's hang out. It's hmm. I've noticed that it's very interesting in small towns where my friends' families live. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've, seen, I've seen this happen a lot. So it sucks, but it doesn't mean that people are going to have pitchforks. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I mean, it's cold. Uh, consolation what's the word uh, yeah no, that cold uh, yeah. comfort maybe. cold comfort yes yeah yeah I mean I don't know it's pretty 
I sometimes feel like delighted and surprised by how little I get stared at when I go to places where I expect to be stared at a lot. And then other times I travel and I'm like, I feel like everyone is looking at me and calling me a dyke in their head and stuff like that. And I feel really pessimistic and and it really like it flip flops other times. Like I, I feel like people are like seeing me and like delighted that I kind of about the way about my gender presentation. And I'm like, the world really is great, you guys. Yeah. And then, you know, one thing happens and it's like terrible again. Mm-hmm. So I think it's definitely a mix. And I think you guys will probably have an experience that has a, lo- a mix of different kinds of things, and different kinds of people. But um, you sound really awesome. And you sound yeah. like you have a really strong relationship. Yeah. And you're in therapy, which is great. And the most important thing is that your relationship is going great. You got this ki- one kid, right? So yeah, yeah, one yeah. kid. I mean, yeah, that's awesome. You're you're going to need to, you know, stick together and, and get through mm-hmm. this together. But you have that. So that's mm-hmm. that's awesome. Yeah, you guys are definitely like batting a thousand. Um, if anyone if anyone is listening and has other this is a great this is a perfect example of a time you should give feedback. Yeah. If you have some tips for Mac and Mac's partner about um, any like resources or strategies to meet people online or like really anything helpful or supportive, you can write into us at Struggle Bus podcast at gmail um you can write into us and um and we will talk about on the show or something or email them back or something exactly yeah that sounds that sounds perfect cool Cool. all right this is uh this is me so this person needs a name you want to dip into the family ties well again oh yeah family ties right let's go yeah mallory what was her boyfriend's name nick Mm, Nick. All right. So this is a Mallory one. All right. Okay. All right. And content warning, death of a companion animal. Hi, Kate and Sally. On to the problem. Sally's mention a few episodes ago of purging the hate watching of social media feeds really resonated with me as I grapple with an issue. I'm a 44-year-old woman who has an ex-husband in another state. I had a starter marriage when I was 22 and we divorced after 11 years with no kids but three dogs. I am happily remarried to a wonderful man and we have a four-year-old and I'm truly living my best life. My job is great. I've done the therapy work when I divorced so that I could figure my shit out for my next relationship and met my current and last husband the day after I moved back to my favorite city eight years ago. My current situation isn't the issue. Occasionally, I check in on the ex-husband on Facebook. Despite being a divorce attorney, his Facebook privacy settings are pretty lax, so I can see what he and his wife and his young son are up to. I used to do this more, but then I would have dreams when I was married to him again, and I would have to divorce him again. Crappy dreams, but waking up to my current situation always made me so happy. However, I realized that I needed to not do that, so I stopped checking in on him. When we split up, I got the big golden retriever dog, and he got the two little ones. Sadly, my dog passed away about four months after I met my current husband. On our first date, he showed up with flowers and dog treats. I knew he had major potential. Even though I miss having my dog, I know life is a little easier, and when my son gets older, we'll have another dog. And when I used to check in on my ex, I would see my little dogs happily snuggling with his young son, so I knew they were loved. I had not done the Facebook check-in for about six months. I decided to do so after I realized my little dogs were getting older and I wanted to check in on them. I look at my ex's page and there were all these pictures about how their son now has a new puppy. Getting the new puppy, flying across the country to pick up said puppy, etc. It's a poodle mix, so it has the annoying oodle attached to the name of the breed, not to mention uh, my little dogs, including my dogs, the new dogs, etc. Kate and Sally, I think my dogs are dead, which is crappy. But every pet owner knows that day will come. 
However, I never heard from my ex about this. I called him when our big dog died, and I'm a little hurt and annoyed that he didn't let me know. So here's my actual question. As I don't actually know they died, do I reach out to him and ask, how are the dogs? Won't this expose my Facebook check-ins, which I really don't want to admit to? Do I just play dumb? We have a few friends in common, but it seems cheesy to say, so-and-so mentioned that you got a new dog. Are our old dogs still alive? How do you get information about your dogs without making an ass of yourself in front of your ex? We haven't actually spoken on the phone in years, long enough that I can't actually remember when we did. Just a couple of emails here and there on random financial shit that takes forever to settle. Any advice for dealing with an ex you truly have moved on from and don't want to talk to would be great. Thanks, Mallory. I love this question. I do too. Um, How weird would it be if I based the first part of my advice totally on Freud? Uh, do. <laughs> okay. I'm pretty excited. Oh, this is exciting. Keep in mind that I have a very um, rudimentary understanding of Freud. Okay. Right. Um, in your email, you ended it by saying, any advice for dealing with an ex you have truly moved on from and don't want to talk to would be great. But you actually didn't write want. You wrote, um, have moved on from and don't to talk to. Oh. Which I, I, I added back in oh, so you could read it. Oh, thank you. But okay. I'm saying that because I wonder if there was a Freudian slip because you actually do want to talk. Yeah. You don't not want to talk. It does actually – my advice, the Freudian thing was kind of – it wasn't really a joke. It was real because actually reading the email, it does kind of sound like you want to talk to your ex. Mm-hmm. Um, because the thing is what it sounds to me – like like what I'm getting from you is that not as much that it's very sad the dogs have died although of course I understand that that is sad and you are sad about it but more that you like you said you're hurt and angry or you're hurt and annoyed that he didn't tell you so that cannot be fixed like him not telling you um cannot be fixed by you talking to him um, the only thing you can get by talking to him is confirmation that the dogs died and he didn't tell you. And then I don't know where that conversation goes or him being like, no, they're alive. What's the problem? And then I don't know where that conversation goes either. So I don't really see what you stand to gain from talking to him other than to scratch the itch that I think you might have about wanting to be in touch with him. And you say you've truly gotten over him, but you are checking him out on Facebook. It sounds like semi-regularly. And so I I think – I don't think – let me just say, I don't think there's anything wrong with like seeing what Nax is up to. But I think that we all have to be honest with ourselves how over an ex we are if we're like, you know, pr- pretty regularly checking in on them. Yeah. Right? Yeah. What I, do you think? I feel that you're still maybe a little bit angry with him or something. Something's – uh in in your noggin but i will say okay dogs first of all mm-hmm. uh when my dog died uh he was my dog in the beginning and then my boyfriend and then soon to be fiance moved in and then we broke up and he left i did text him the night the dog died just because they were very close right i didn't have to uh i wanted to and um it was a very short exchange but i can also fully understand not wanting to tell the ex for many reasons. And one of them is, you know, it might not be the person's place where they thought, like, do I call them? Maybe he thinks you're mad at him. Maybe he's mad at you and doesn't want to bring it up. Maybe he thinks like, oh, I mean, it's just a dog. I mean, not just a dog, obviously. But it's one of those things where I had a very difficult breakup with a guy and 
uh, you know, he had a daughter and I, we spoke about that. And one of the last things I said to him was, can you please let me know if anything happens like to your, your mom and dad or like if you need anything? And he's like, I don't know. And I realized I'm never going to find out ever if his parents die or if and we were all very close. And that's that's his right because we're broken up. And because it's very hard for him. So I would hate to find out, you know, through Facebook that his father or mother passed away or something. Uh, But unfortunately, unless you specifically said during the breakup, hey, ground rule, you know, you got to make these ground rules for certain things sometimes because breakups are really, you know, they're hard and you've not been together for a long time. And yes. So that's the first thing is that's unfortunate, but I would not fault him too much for not telling you because it's just one of those things where you never know unless you agreed upon it. Um, and I'm sorry, by the way, mm-hmm. but I think I totally agree with Sally as well as, is there a reason you want to talk to him? Because I will say I too had nightmares about the ex, the other ex from over 10 years ago. Um, and they lasted a while. And then I finally saw him and we had a really nice chat and they went away. And I don't believe in the whole closure or forced mm-hmm. closure thing, but there is something interesting about thinking about this person and mm-hmm. wanting to know what's going on. There's something that maybe you do want to talk to him about. Mm-hmm. I think it's more than just the dogs. Yeah. Or maybe there's something that you are just unresolved about and the way that and like the way that your mind is like answering that is to be like call him. That'll resolve it. Mm. And I mean, I don't know, maybe it would cuz I, I I don't know, but I it definitely sounds like um it it's more about an un- and it could be an unresolved thing that you can talk about and figure out yourself. Like, I don't necessarily think that unresolved things we have to like bring up with people and exes and all that. I've already gone off about that in other episodes. But, um, and I also think that like, there is this thing of like getting over people and like mm-hmm. moving past things. I'm making quotation marks with my fingers at Catherine yeah. in the air. Um, and I just, I don't know. Like, I think that it's a really complex and problematic thing to get over things and move past them. And I think there are all different stages of, you know, um, processing something and being able to sit with it as a thing that happened and deal with the feelings you have that come up when you think of that. Um, so I totally lost my train of thought, but basically, um, I think that it might be worth just like examining where you are in your process of understanding and being okay with your feelings that come up around this guy and, and the dogs. I don't think the dogs are relevant and the relationship ending. If, though, you really, really, really want to know about the dogs, Mm -hmm. I think it's totally fine to send an email and just be like, hey, by the way, I was thinking about, you know, whatever their names are. I I just want to think the cutest two little names. And um, be like, you know, I'm just wondering, uh, are they still around? And if not, do you mind telling me? Or I don't know. I don't think there's anything wrong with an email that is legitimately like was just thinking about the dogs. He doesn't necessarily know that you Facebook stalked him. I mean, it could just be an honest question. It's totally true. I think that's totally right. And I think, you know, the only thing to keep in mind there is like, what, like, will you be picking off a scab that should not be picked off? Mm -hmm. Like, should you let that continue to heal? Because there are times when like, you think about like, yeah, I can contact this person. It would be okay. And then you're like, "Mm, Mm -hmm. it probably is opening a Pandora's box. And then other times you think about it and you're like, no, I really can do this. And like, whatever happens, it's going to be fine. Um, Or you can just roll the dice and not know how it's going to go and what it's going to mean for you and whether or not it's a good or bad idea and just fucking do it. And Mm -hmm. then like cope with whatever happens. Like that's always a strategy. Yeah. You know, or if you feel safe asking a a mutual friend, be like, hey, by the way, I was just thinking about the dogs. Do you happen to know if they're still around? I mean, that's easy enough. I do that sometimes. True. You know, 
Yeah. I do we, a check-in with my, my ex who won't talk to me because I genuinely care about him. And every few years I'll see a friend of ours. I'm like, how's he doing? They're like, he's all right. I'm like, okay. I don't know. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I think that's a really safe way to do it too. And it's also like a way to not get like back involved with them. Mm-hmm. I think we just gave like eight to nine really good options. Yeah, I think they're we all did. really good. We did. Right? So I, yeah. Don't be too mad at him if he didn't tell you. Everyone has their own reasons for things. and Yeah. You know. Or maybe he's a total dick and you can be mad at him. Hey, I mean, yeah. either I way. Mean, I just, we want. want to give you two more options. So now you have 10. You're already like <laughs> totally nailing it. So, um, Mallory, uh, let us know how it goes. Yeah, do. Okay. Well, that was a very nice long episode. Wow. Are we super over or what? We're a little bit over, but okay. not that I hope much. you enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, so you can tweet at us at StrugglebusPod. Use the hashtag StrugglePodBuds420 to find a struggle buddy. Email us if you have any suggestions about things we said that we asked feedback for at StrugglebusPodcast at gmail.com. Or, you know, email us your questions because we are going through them. This is weekly now, so we need questions and we love your questions. And you can check out our photos that Sally took. Did you take of me? Or do I need to do a selfie? I took one of you. My selfie is super questionable, so I, don't I, I will know if that's take some. Happen. Instagram.com slash the struggle bus pod or tweet at Sally T or me at SPK Heller and Struggle Buddies Facebook group. Use your regular email. Email us at strugglebuspodcast at gmail.com. Say, please, can I be added to the group? And we will send you a confirm of receipt of the email saying, we sent you an invite. Let us know if you didn't get it. There's always a workaround if someone has a thing. But if you have, an email address that ends with at facebook.com, don't use that. Yeah. That is not a real thing, we unfortunately. We don't like it. It doesn't work. We don't recognize it. Uh, well, it's not that we don't. Like, we would if we could, but I, it doesn't work. I, that's true, but I would like to go on record saying I don't recognize it. I don't like it. I don't care for it. And we're back. <laughs> <laughs> well played. So I think that's that. That uh, is... And I think Mara Wilson is next week. We'll let you know if not. Oh, but I'm really excited. We'll plan that that's out. That's exciting. So Sally, you have the song of the day. Okay, it's my turn. So I don't know. Have you seen the the movie but i'm a cheerleader no okay i it came out in 1999 it's with natasha leone clay duvall kathy moriarty and rupaul awesome um it is definitely a movie everyone should watch right away i think especially if you identify as a queer woman you should see it sooner than right away it's pretty campy and it might also be dated i mean it came out when i was 20 and it was like perfect for me at that time so now i don't I don't actually I don't know if it's dated in terms of like age you are as the viewer or like time period it came out in maybe both the point is it's so good you should see it and it has like the most amazing love scene uh, between the two main characters and when I say love scene I mean sex scene Um, and it's not really that graphic it's like very like PG-13 sex Um, and um, I don't know if you know this but most movies made about two people of the same quote-unquote sex falling in love are really bad. Um, I don't know if you ever looked in like the Netflix gay and lesbian section, but they're all like, they're not even like B movies, they're like Z movies. Name a bad one. Oh my God. Um, that I might have seen or that like. Name a bad like one. More mainstream, I guess. Um, well, I personally don't like Better Than Chocolate or Kissing Jessica Stein. Didn't see those. Those those aren't like as garbagey as they get because those have like production value, but I still think they're like completely mediocre. Mm -hmm. Um, Chasing Amy. Um, But I think the the field is just really small. And so like there just aren't that many movies. It's not like there's like a million movies about like queer people. And, you know, so there's like a few hundred thousand great ones. There's like, I don't know. 
5,000 movies about queer people yeah. and there's like five good ones. Well, I want to watch this right now. So this one's really good. Anyway, I've gotten really far away from my song recommendation. No. The song that is playing. By the way, if you know of any good movies about queer people, please do tell me. That I would go love fish. to... Go fish? Yeah. Do we count that? That is so dated. It's, I don't remember. I mean, it's like it was from like years the 70s. Ago. Is it? Yeah. I, I don't know. Is it? Mm, um, we'll figure it out. Okay. But I liked it. But again, I'm not, I'm not a queer woman, so I don't want to be like. No, that's, but I mean, yeah. I, I'll, you're, you do have good, was, uh, the, I Googled it and the, it's like the rules of go fish the card game. Uh, no, but you have good taste <laughs> in movies. Um, but anyway, the point is, um, the song that is playing during this scene, it's called Glass Vase cello case and it's by a band called tattletale which was around in the early 90s and they were um like in seattle they're part of the riot girl scene uh, and i don't really know a, a other music of theirs but i think that the two women that comprise the group are part of like other riot girl groups so they're like super in that scene and it, it is like such a beautiful and sweet song with like very few words and it's very spare and it's very stringy and it's like completely gorgeous and like low-key and so there you have it. That's awesome. I'm so excited. So enjoy, guys. Well, this was this was really fun. It was so good, yeah. right? I mean, I think it was good. I think it was amazing. Sweet. Uh, well, hey, thank you so much for listening. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Uh, I'm Kate. I'm Sally. Bye. Bye.
it out, but whatever. All right. <clears throat> but if I if I say welcome to the struggle bus, you're gonna say I'm Kate. <clears throat> yes. Yes, let's do that. Let's do that. Okay. Maybe you'll just pull up the script. <laughs> oh my god, that's terrifying. It's all terrifying. Okay, so hold on now. I need to push this over. All right. Uh yeah. Okay, there we go. That's much better. <clears throat> Ready? Oh, wait. Let me do one more. Oh, yeah. I guess I would have last to Last thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. Okay. I can start? Okay. 